Hello and welcome to the week 17 episode of the Totally Biased Browns podcast. On this week's episode, we're going to do a recap of the Cincinnati Bengals game, look ahead to the Baltimore Ravens game, and discuss why it's not so crazy that Freddie Kitchens is the Browns' next head coach. How about them brownies? Cincinnati came in on Sunday into Cleveland, met with a hostile environment, a sellout crowd, absolutely electric. Fans were going crazy the entire game. Uh, Browns started off a little slow at first, really struggled to get going, mainly got in their own way with some bad penalties at bad times uh, in the first quarter, but got in the second quarter. That Landry pass to Perriman really started to unlock the offense, and they just rolled from there. It was, what, 23 to nothing before the Bengals finally scored late in the the fourth quarter. Got a couple of scores there late in the game to make it look a lot closer than what it really was with the final score being 26-18. But again, the Browns, much like they did in Cincinnati, uh, just really manhandled the Bengals all day long, and it was great to see. Uh, Able to... Get back to 500 on the season now, seven, seven, and one going into the final week of the of the season. Um, officially eliminated from the playoffs with uh, the way some of the results went down Saturday, but still with plenty to play for going into next week. But for right now, man, you've got to feel good about where the Browns are at. Uh, they've won three straight, five of their last six. Baker Mayfield looks excellent as always. He played fantastic yet again. Uh, 27 of 37, 284 yards, three touchdowns. Those three touchdowns bring him to 24 on the season. He now needs just two more touchdown passes to tie Peyton Manning and Russell Westbrook for the most touchdown passes by a rookie in a full season. Three more, and he has the record all to himself. It's amazing. And that's the thing. He didn't even play the full season. Imagine what could have been if he actually played in the first two games versus Pittsburgh and versus New Orleans. He could already have the record all to himself right now. And boy, oh boy, is Baker one cold-blooded guy. I'm sure we've all seen the highlights by now. He hits Najoku on that big 66-yard pass to ice the game there at the end. And what does he do? Down the Bengals sideline, staring at Hugh Jackson the whole time. Big old smile on his face. I love it. That's my quarterback. And you know, I don't give two craps about what people like Colin Cowherd have to say about it. That is my quarterback. You might not want him on your team, but that's the exact type of quarterback we need on our team. And I know the fans in Cleveland love it. Screw what Colin Cowherd said. He doesn't know Baker. He just refuses to give him any sort of credit because he tried to write him off before the draft. And then when Baker actually shows that he is worth the number one draft pick and he is the best quarterback in this draft class, Colin just can't admit that he was wrong and is now looking for any little reason to actually go after Baker and make Baker look bad that he can possibly think of. So screw Colin. Baker's the man. Two touchdowns away from tying an NFL record, which is insane, especially again considering that he didn't even play the first two games. 
But it wasn't just Baker. Nick Chubb ran for over 100 yards. Nobody's really talking about that because of all the attention that Baker gets from everything that he did. But Nick Chubb went over 100 yards on just 19 carries. You can look at the passing game too. Three receivers with 60 or more yards receiving. Not to mention Landry, like I mentioned a second ago, hitting Perriman with that huge bomb down the field that really unlocked the offense. Defensively, they didn't force any turnovers. I can't remember the last time the season that happened. But they still came away with three sacks and nine tackles for loss. Cincinnati couldn't move the ball at all in the first half. What, they uh, ended the the first half with negative yardage passing? Only 30-something yards of total offense in the first half? Insane. Complete dominance from beginning to end. And I really think that we found out a lot about the team, too. It makes you excited going forward. You look at their record, 5-2-1 at home. That's awesome. They guaranteed a, a winning record in the division for the first time. They could possibly win four games, depending on how the game uh, in Baltimore turns out. They've never won four games in a division since the division got the, the alignment that it's now in 2002. This team just continues to break records. And Avery, we have a monster in Avery. That kid went off that game. I was going to save it for the offseason when I was talking about what the Browns can and can't do as far as roster moves. I don't see why, uh, if, if Collins isn't going to, to put out an effort, like sometimes he seems to be taking plays off and seems like he's not interested, ship Collins off, take that huge contract off of our books, Put Avery over there. That kid showed that he can play. He might not be as athletic as Jamie Collins is, but he sure does try every freaking play, and he goes to the whistle. He doesn't quit. Huge game. He had a sack, two and a half tackles for loss. Avery, man, I love that kid. John Dorsey, every week it seems like something else happens that makes his draft class look just out of this world. And something else I wanted to talk about, too. Mentioned that uh, the Browns were up 23 to nothing. Game was pretty much locked up. They go into the fourth quarter. Bengals go down. They get a field goal. Browns give them the ball back. They get a touchdown. The block punt happens. They get another touchdown. And all of a sudden, you're looking at it. It's 26 to 18. And there's just a couple minutes left. And you're sitting here thinking to yourself, oh, my Lord, the Browns are going to sit there. And do what the Browns do and somehow choke this game away. But honestly, when that happened, I sat there and I thought to myself, maybe the old Browns do, but not these Browns. Not the Baker Mayfield-led Browns. Not with Nick Chubb running in the backfield chewing up clock. I just had a feeling, yeah, we're about to make a play and we're going to ice the game right here. Sure enough, Baker hits Najoku on that 66-yard. He almost scored. Kind of glad he didn't, because then you have to put the defense back out there, and then you never know what happens. Go ahead, ice the game. The whole stare down happens. But the big thing is, they iced the game. They finished the game off. It ended up being closer than what it needed to be. But uh, you still finished the game. And that's something that they had to learn how to do this season, and they're doing a great job. I, I, it, it's comforting to know that... 
when it's getting tight in games now, it's not how are we going to lose. It's how are we going to end up clinching this or winning this or coming back. Having Baker on the team and having him lead this offense, I always feel like we're about to go down and score a touchdown. It doesn't matter what's happened any of the previous drives. I still have faith in him to go down and lead this team to scores. And I'll tell you what else. Week in and week out, Greg Williams, Freddie Kitchens, it's getting harder and harder to say that these two shouldn't come back in the same capacity and coach this team next year. I haven't seen this team fight this hard under Hugh Jackson the entire time he was here. I haven't seen an offense that changes it up on a week-in, week-out basis like they do under Freddie Kitchens. Who would have thought that we had our own personal Sean McVay sitting as a running backs coach under Todd Haley? It's absolutely insane. Even if Greg Williams doesn't come back, you've got to bring Freddie Kitchens back. And I know that contradicts what I said last week when I said you can't you can't be hogtied into saying Freddie has to be here because if we get quote unquote as I said decent coaching Imagine what we could do with great coaching. I think Freddie Kitchens is doing a great job as coaching. Just watching what this team does week in and week out offensively is insane. And it makes you think, what if uh, instead of old Greg Williams coming back and being the full-time head coach next year instead of just interim, what if we just go ahead and give old Freddie Kitchens that job? And when I first heard it, I was like, are you, are you kidding me? You're going to take a guy who is a running backs coach at the beginning of the year, calling plays for the first time in his career, doing a great job, like I just mentioned, and put him at head coach? That's crazy. But if you think about it, it's not. A guy like Sean McVay came out of nowhere. Great play caller. Honestly, he's taking somebody in golf that I think is pretty much proof that he's just a system quarterback. You put him in the cold, golf has been garbage lately here down the stretch. Keep golf in the warm weather. Put him in that system, he's great. Sean McVay is a great offensive mind and deserves to be a head coach based on that, even though he didn't have the credentials going into the interviewing process. And I know it's tough to try to boot Greg Williams out because I do think Greg Williams has managed to motivate this team and keep them motivated down the stretch to make this turnaround that we've seen. And I don't know if Freddie Kitchens has that same ability to motivate the team that a Greg Williams would. But if you bring Greg Williams back as a head coach and you bring Freddie Kitchens back as the offensive coordinator, which if you brought Williams, you named him the head coach, you know Freddie Kitchens is going to be the offensive coordinator. And you don't have to worry about another team taking Freddie Kitchens away as their offensive coordinator because he's under contract with the Browns, and the only way to get him to interview would be if they wanted to interview him as their head coach for another team. But that risk is there. You name Greg Williams a head coach, Freddie Kitchens becomes possible for him to get plucked, and that offense is bye-bye. Do we have anyone on the 
the coaching staff that could take up the mantle that Freddie Kitchens had done and run the offense the way Freddie Kitchens has? I don't think so. I'm pretty sure that Freddie Kitchens was the only other person than, other than Todd Haley on the staff that ran the Todd Haley offense. Everybody else was a Hugh Jackson guy. Whose offense do you want run on the on the team? Do you want a Hugh Jackson offense that struggled for for two and two seasons, or do you want the the Todd Haley offense that Freddie Kitchens has run the last half of the season? And I'm sure if you put Baker in Hugh Jackson's offense, it would probably it would probably suffice. But I think the way that Freddie does things, as far as getting with the offense, running plays that they are comfortable with, that they like makes this whole thing click even more. So there's always that fear factor of Freddie being snatched away by another team if you name Greg Williams as head coach. You go ahead, you put Freddie Kitchens as head coach. You keep that offense intact. You don't have to worry about him being poached away to another team and then what do we do for the offense at that point. Baker Mayfield keeps that continuity that we always worry about with our young quarterbacks beforehand where it seemed like that they were changing coaches every two seasons. You can never get the same offense. By the time they felt comfortable with one offense, boom, here comes another. If you put that with Freddie Kitchens as as the head coach, you do have to worry about what happens defensively. I mean, Greg Williams had stated that he would be happy to come back with the Browns as a defensive coordinator, but will it work at that point when he had the position and now all of a sudden he's under a guy that was under him? the season before that I don't know but losing Greg Williams does not scare me as much as losing Freddie Kitchens because honestly you look at Greg Williams defensive numbers sure the turnovers are great but overall as far as yardage and points per game it hasn't been that good now a lot of that was probably hurt early in the season with offensive struggles where you know the defense played a lot of snaps they got tired by the end of the game yeah that might have affected it And the offense has looked fantastic, or not the offense, I'm sorry. The defense has looked fantastic the last few weeks, especially these last two, completely eliminating Lindsey from the the Denver game. And then what they did to the Bengals yesterday. Now, with all, I hate to be this guy, but with all respect, obviously the Bengals offense wasn't exactly filled with superstars. But still, the Browns did what they had to do against a team that they should have dominated the way they did. But if you bring a new defensive coordinator in, you're worried about changing the schemes up. Are they going to be as aggressive as they were under Greg Williams? I don't know. And that might be part of what makes this Browns defense as good as it is. Yeah, they give up a lot of yards. But once you get down into the red zone, they always seem to to be able to hold teams to field goals. Every once in a while, they'll give up a touchdown. But for the most part, you get them into the red zone, that's where they really bow up and they stop. They're the the bend but don't break. So sure, you give up tons of yards, but lately, they haven't been giving up as many points. You definitely have to weigh it. I don't think it's totally out of the question. Again, I know I said it last week, but I do not envy John Dorsey in the position that he's in for naming the next coach of the Cleveland Browns. It's going to be a very tough uh, decision for him. I'm hoping that it is a John Dorsey decision and the Haslam's stay out of it. Of course, I read a report today from Tony Grossi that apparently John D. Podesta had something to do with naming Greg Williams the interim coach. So I don't know how much truth there is to that or how that will affect 
the head coaching hiring process, but just another little wrench in the plans, I guess. So hopefully it's John Dorsey's decision. I do trust Dorsey a lot more than anybody else in the front office, obviously with the way that he's handled the draft class and the free agency and the players that he's brought in. I, there's no reason not to trust John to make the correct choice in this matter. Now on to this Sunday's game, the final game of the season versus the Baltimore Ravens. The Browns might not be playing for a playoff position themselves, but they'll definitely have a big part in which team from the AFC North gets into the playoffs. Right now, the Baltimore Ravens lead the uh, the division with a 9-6 and record. They're a half game in front of the Pittsburgh Steelers at 8-6-1. And, and basically, for the Ravens, it's they're winning, they're in. If they lose, then they have to hope that Cincinnati beats Pittsburgh. And based on what I saw from Cincinnati last week, I don't think that that's going to happen. Of course, Pittsburgh's been choking a lot of games away lately, so you never know. But for Pittsburgh, they have to beat Cincinnati. And then, ironically, and oh how sweet it is, they have to root for the Browns to beat the Ravens. Fantastic. You can't believe the smile that came across my face when I saw this. Amazing. Pittsburgh Steelers fans have to root for the Browns in order for them to get into the playoffs. Now, the Browns really have a tough task. The Baltimore Ravens defense is insane. What, number one ranked defense of the league? Basically shut down Phillip Rivers in the Chargers offense last Saturday. It's scary. That Baker is going to have his hands full. Now, I will say that Baker was able to defeat the, the Ravens early in the season. Played a pretty good game from what I can remember. Up oh, here we go. I found the stats. Baker was 25 for 43, 342 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. And that was with Todd Haley calling the plays. And we all know what the offense looked up like at that point. Um, not really sure. I can't remember whether the Ravens defense was in as great of shape as it is late in the season. But when you look at that, you have to think Baker feels good knowing that he put up those kind of numbers against the Ravens in the first game. Uh, the Browns do have the tough task of trying to contain Lamar Jackson, who is getting on my nerves. And it's nothing to do with him. It's the way the national media is spinning what he's doing in Baltimore. I'll give him credit. He is doing what he has to do not to lose the Ravens the ball game. He's not winning them the ball games. The Ravens defense is what's winning them ball games. Lamar Jackson is not losing the ball games. And I'll give him credit. I mean, they're taking a quarterback with his talents and they're making the offense exactly what it needs to be to work with him as their quarterback. I just don't understand why teams can't stop it. You know they're going to run a read option. You either have to stop Lamar Jackson or you have to stop the running back. So just put contain on him. Don't let him get outside the pocket on a pure class pay. Have somebody there spying on him on any sort of play action that he has and stop him. Force him to beat you from inside the pocket with his arm. 
Now, obviously, that's easier said than done. He's an elusive guy. He can run really well when he gets into open space. But if you keep him contained, you force him to have to make a throw every time he drops back to pass, he's not going to beat you, and he's going to end up making a mistake. And if you can get to him, he has a fumbling problem. I saw one stat in his game versus the the Chargers Saturday night that he's fumbled in seven straight games, tying an NFL record. Heck, he has ten fumbles on the season. If you can hit him, he's going to drop the ball. Contain him. Keep him in the pocket. Keep a spy on him. Hit him. And he won't be able to do what he's done in the six games that he's had as a starter. Or the seven games. Whatever it is. He's beatable. My biggest worry is going up against that defense, which is on fire right now. And it's going to be tough. Now, I have more faith in a Freddie Kitchens-led offense than I do a Todd Haley offense. So it'll be interesting to see what exactly happens when Sunday rolls around. Cool thing is, I thought this was going to get the Sunday night flex, which I understand why it didn't when you have a basic play-in game between the Colts and the Titans. But they did flex it back to the late afternoon games, which is cool. And we've got uh, Jim Nance and Tony Romo. So they're bringing in CBS's A crew to call a Browns game last week of the season, which just kind of adds another another little tick to how magical the season's been. Which is going to put me on another rant that I just thought of, but I'm going to save it till after the, the Ravens preview. But what's at stake versus Baltimore? Well, the biggest thing that's at stake is a chance for the Browns to actually finish the season with a winning record. If they win this, they're going to be 8-7-1. That would be an eight-game turnaround from the 2017 season, which I believe the seven-game turnaround already is a, a Browns record. So then, you know, of course, why not break a record you just set the next week? It would finish the season on a four-game winning streak, which would just hopefully be something that we could carry over into next year, feeling good about ourselves going into the offseason. They would finish with four wins in the division. First time, like I said, that that's ever happened since the divisions were aligned like they are since 2002. It would also mean that they would sweep not one, but two division opponents, which has never been done. And then you have some of the records that our players are going for. Uh, Obviously, Baker Mayfield needs two touchdown passes to tie. Peyton Manning and... Russell Wilson for the most rookie touchdown passes in a season, which we've touched on that earlier. Three to break the record and have it all to himself. It's going to be a tough task, but it's possible. At the same time, I think I read somewhere Baker only needs 63 yards in the game to set a single-season Browns passing rookie record for a quarterback. And then you have Nick Chubb who's just 28 yards away from 1,000 yards on the season. And that's impressive 
regardless. To get a thousand yards as a running back is a is a mark they all shoot for. But to do it the way Nick Chubb has done it is insane. Remember, the first six weeks of the season, he didn't get more than two, three carries a game. It's been since week seven or eight that he actually got the starting job after they traded Carlos Hideaway. And he's almost got to a thousand yards just starting just over half the season. Imagine what could have happened if he would have been the starter from the beginning. Imagine what it, it blows my mind to think that we had Nick Chubb and Baker Mayfield sitting on the bench at the beginning of the season. I get not wanting to rush the young players into the starting positions because we've seen it happen so many times before, but I find it hard to believe that these two weren't showing things in practice and the coaches just ignored it. I just don't see how you have players of this much talent and you don't put them in the starting position. It's just another one of those things that you look at at Hugh Jackson and you think, what were you looking at? Now, with all that said, I do have to make my Browns prediction for this game. And as much as it pains me, I actually have the Browns losing this game. I have the Ravens winning roughly 20 to 13. I think as much as it pains me to say, I think Baker's going to have a little bit too much of a hard time with this defense. And as and Lamar Jackson's going to do enough. He's going to give the Browns defense fits because we've already shown that we can't contain quarterbacks in the pocket. We can't contain running backs out of the backfield. We can't contain tight ends. And with all that and Lamar Jackson's ability to get outside the pocket, make plays with his feet, I just think it's going to give the Browns too much trouble. Ravens win 20-13. to 13. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Totally Biased Browns podcast. I do hope that you guys enjoyed. Hopefully I'm wrong on my prediction, and next week we can talk about how the Browns ended up with their fourth straight victory, a winning record on the season, and we can start looking ahead with some excitement for once in our lives towards the NFL draft. But until next week, I hope you guys enjoyed. See you then.